0: my patients that I knew I changed their life through chiropractic. I was branded. I was a chiropractor. 700 visits a week. Everybody in my county knew me, right? I was the big guy. I changed their lives. They changed their lifestyle following chiropractic. I had a patient named Randy. Randy came in. He had back pain. I helped him. Found out we treated migraines. Brought his wife in. She had migraines. We helped her. Brought his kids in. Brought his employees in. Randy was my model patient. And Randy says to me, what's those guys in the white jackets running around? Well, they're medical doctors. What are they doing here? They help people get off the of medication. How do you see that? You want to see that? Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking, I don't want to give Randy a prescription, so I'm going to go with Randy and protect him. So I'm, uh, hey, doc, this is Randy. And I sit right next to Randy. And Randy goes, bless me, Dr. Frierson. I'm taking Prilosec. I'm taking Lipitor. I'm taking Prozac. I'm taking... you yeah. never told me that. And what he said next made me almost want to quit. Well, you're not a real doctor. He is. He didn't mean anything by it, but you know how small I felt? I'm sitting here like, looking at Randy like, and the doctor goes, would you like to get off those drugs, Randy? He goes, yeah, that's why I'm here. That saved the day. All of a sudden I realized I'm on to something. I cannot legally take people off the drugs, but he can, right?
1: So all of a sudden I realized now I have a vehicle
0: to actually change healthcare. And that's what we did. My one medical doctor came to me and said, you know, there's three of us here, three medical doctors. One of them was a chiropractor. I'm looking at his resume, and it says chiropractor, and he's an MD, applying for the MD job. I'm like, how did, you, how did this happen? He goes, well, I was in medical school. I hurt my back, and they were just putting me on drugs, and that wasn't working, so I went to a chiropractor, and they fixed me. And I'm like, this is really cool. How would you guys do this? And they started explaining chiropractic to me, and he, he said, I got so interested, I called up the chiropractic school and found out I could probably get my degree in a year. So I did. And at that point, I had been in school for like 15 years or whatever it is, and he said, I came out of school and there was an ad for a chiropractor to work in the Splendori study. Have you guys ever heard of the Splendori study? There's a true stu- true story. It, back in the 80s, there was a study in Italy in the Italian uh, government-run medical clinics called Static Clinics. And they brought chiropractic in to see if they could reduce the cost of health care. So he said, I got to this clinic and three chiropractors, me and two other chiropractors, were there, and three people showed up for an adjustment. And the next day they came back with like 50 people. And the next day, they came back with 800 people. And then we started adjusting 300 people a day a piece for a year. I'm like, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah, that's true. I had Sundays off, and I spent all day Sunday laying in the ice. I'm like, you must be a really good adjuster. He goes, I'm a really good adjuster. And that guy is in the top five adjustments I ever got. It was from a medical doctor. Right? But he was the guy who was writing scripts. And my other two medical doctors ratted him out. They said, when he writes a script, if a patient comes back and wants a refill, i got to fill it. I don't want to fill it. So can you tell him to stop? And I'm like, I'm not legally allowed to tell him to stop. But you are. So you want to be the clinical director? Raise your right hand. And I swore him as the clinical director come with me. And I said, John, Nick wants to tell you something. And Nick goes, John, you can no longer write scripts in this clinic. Well, what do we do if people need blood pressure? You refer him across the street. There's like 50 MDs in the medical building over there. We don't need to write it and I'm not ready to read those.
2: I was completely compliant. So talk to me about the zone.
3: The zone's about clarity. Okay. It's about clarity. It's about having that focus and clarity up there, being able to block out distractions, being able to make a decision for decision for yourself, not letting outside stimulus constantly bombard you what's in there. It's owning the real estate between your ears. Right. That's what goes to what you
2: said earlier about staying calm, yes. being clear, being able to, to see what's going on in front of you and handle that.
3: No matter how successful you are, life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. There's you, always going to be crap. There's always, there's always going to be something. It's just the more successful you are, the less sympathy people have for you because they just see the dollar signs.
4: Right.
3: You know, just because you're extremely wealthy doesn't mean you, <laughs> your kids won't have problems in school.
2: Right.
3: All right, you know, Doesn't mean there's there are no relationship issues. That doesn't mean that your car is not going to start one single that, that things ha- people just don't see those people just don't see those things, but and it's hard for them because they think that money and if you think the money is a cure all, it's not. Everyone is still going through things. So when the zone the zone is about knowing what you're doing so well that you don't have to think. <clears throat> I make a thing about at, well, about athletes, the greatest athletes, thinking is actually a distraction for them because if you're thinking, you're not in the moment. Right, I can appreciate that. Right, but in order to get to the state of not thinking, it requires years and years and years of thinking. Right, and yeah.
2: practice and drilling. Yes. Yeah, that's what we're big on as yeah. well. Yeah,
3: so you don't hit that game-winning shot when you hit that game-winning, you hit that game-winning shot three years ago with the, the, the practices over and over and over and over again. Right. Yeah, and then very few people understand the zone. The zone you have to put in the work. Physically and mentally, to be able to put yourself in a zone state, to be able to put yourself in a don't think state, to be able to put yourself when there's, everything around you is chaotic. You think about the person who has to, the pitcher who's closing out a game. All right, you have all these fans that are yelling and screaming, and they're all nervous, and you got, you know, the batter's over there. What is a pitcher thinking on that time? I always said, What is a pitcher thinking? He's not thinking. That's right he's doing. Yes. That's he's right. not he's not thinking, you know, cuz all the announcers always say that, I wonder what he's thinking about. Well, if he's thinking about something right now, he's about to mess up. That's right. Yeah.
2: You know, we notice that a lot <laughs> in business guys will actually overthink things and not act, and that's like the kiss of death.
3: Over I have to say, overthinking is the art of creating problems that don't exist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So the reason that we have to have somebody like yourself that knows how to reach out and touch the hearts of people, mm-hmm. which you do, yes, um, is because we're gonna change healthcare. We're gonna disrupt the status quo of the healthcare system in this country. And we're gonna shift it from being a symptom-driven system where that justifies the idea of giving somebody a drug like an opioid for pain that will most likely turn them into a heroin addict or kill them. Because it is now, do you realize, the leading cause of death of Americans under the age of 50 is opioids. I had no idea. Oh yeah, and the number, oh, one, the number one prescription that gets that person on that drug is back pain. So we need to change healthcare. And that's why we're reaching and asking you for help mm-hmm. because you can help us get to the hearts of America to have people realize, you know what, they're right. We shouldn't be doing it this way. We should be doing it a different way. Yeah. That's what we're gonna to try to do. Can you shed any light on how you can help us do that? <laughs>
5: Well, first I want to say how close this is to my own heart. Um, you know, I had a uh, my father passed away uh, from throat cancer, and he was not a smoker. You know, which is not wow. not not you would have you would have thought oh well that that's a smoking thing. No, it wasn't for him. And uh, we watched his decline. It was so hard for our family mm-hmm. and we realized that uh, he actually did a lot of research into how he could have been eating better, how he could have been treating his body differently for decades, and he died with a lot of regret realizing that the information that he had to dig out of the nooks and crannies of the internet when, you know, and he, he passed away back in 2004, so. Relatively you know, new. Yeah, I mean, Google was not nearly what it is now, but he had just begun to get exposure to that information and began to understand, oh my gosh, if I'd had this information 20 years ago, Uh, you know, he thought he was eating healthy. He thought he was doing good for his body. There were so many things he was missing that he had no idea. And he died with regret realizing that if he had had exposure to that information earlier on, it could have saved his life. Uh, and then my own wife who has had thyroid disease for, uh, 20 years, we're coming up on our, our 20 year, um, wedding anniversary. And in the midst of that, uh, you know, we're, we're looking back and realizing she was diagnosed a month after we were married. Wow. So it's been the entire length of our marriage that we've been battling this and we discovered along the way that, you know, my 16 year old daughter was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. My wife's uncle passed away of thyroid cancer. Well, thyroid cancer is not hereditary, but autoimmune disease is right. And so many people with autoimmune disease that deal with daily inflammation that's completely unaddressed and triggers so many different things that can happen to their body, those people, a high percentage of those people come down with thyroid disease. Right. So that was what led to my wife's diagnosis of Hashimoto's. And we're now moving in the direction of realizing, hey, look, what we put in our bodies matters. The way we treat ourselves matters. The fact that we should not just be addressing symptoms, but looking at causes matters. And uh, it's such a strong passion for my family, wanting to make sure that we're doing the absolute best to ensure optimum health and longevity for ourselves. Right.
2: This is not a new debate. This is age-old debate. When when, um, Louis Pasteur was doing his work and was saying, well, we can prevent disease by killing the germs. At the same time, there was another very learned person named Antoine Mm Bichamp who was saying, it's not the germs, it's the body, it's the terrain it's the health of the patient that allows those germs to to show up Mm. and when you're speaking about thyroid you're talking you know the language to a lot of our doctors who practice functional medicine Mm. using nutrition to try to get organs to function particularly the thyroid yeah um, because there's a a relationship with the thyroid and stress Mm -hmm. and the adrenal glands and the pancreas and those three things together can lead to a lot of different diseases. And addressing the health of the body is exactly what we're all about. Trying to get that patient to fix themselves. We do that in in functional medicine, but we also do it in physical medicine. Whereas we're not trying to cover up a pain, Mm -hmm. but try to find out what caused it and address that so that we're not relying on these really strong drugs that can have horrific side effects. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're really glad. I didn't realize that you had those passionate stories behind you and now I can understand why we resonate so well together yes um but Very we're glad you're numbers. on our team we're Thank so you. glad you're. On.
4: all right welcome to the after the show show uh, don is from frogman charities and dog uh, uh, don i understand a couple of days ago this setup that you have uh, put together here at 48th and 6th avenue was actually uh... being used in virginia and it was disassembled during a thunderstorm is that right that's right two days ago we had this off our our builder chris call built it all single-handedly at his home and when we Is got right? there, he did it all by himself. And then we got there and took it down in a thunderstorm, pouring rainstorm, and got here and set it up with five of us. So did you wow. build this specifically for us today? Yes. Oh, that's well, awesome. job oh, well done. Because- yes. Yeah. You know what, you added a few things from previous trips. It's a little tougher because we wanted to go up a little bit from what we did last year. I thought it was tough
5: before when I did it, but then you've added this wooden piece. (laughs) That's even higher and very scary. But that's not as hard. You did this last year and that wasn't here? That was not here. The the wall behind it was the scariest part. We all did it last year. What do you think? Uh...
4: The A-frame is a little on the scary side, but the whole idea is to give the layman kind of a taste of what Navy SEAL guys go through. But not really, because the training is so rigorous. That's right. This is obstacles are just a small part of the training you get in SEAL training, but it's a fun part. You get your whole body worked, you know, and the cardio and. And who are these people who are actually doing it? So these are friends of ours in the obstacle course racing and the CrossFit communities, and they came out here to support us at Fox & Friends. Very
5: nice. So why did you start this charity?
4: Well, there's two personal reasons. For one, racing and fitness has been my whole life. The other part of my life has been the SEAL community, and the SEALs have been so good to me. Uh, What I want to do is give back to the charities. We have three Navy SEAL charities we're given to, and that's the UDT SEAL Association. Uh, We're given to the Navy SEAL Museum. Whoa! and the foundation for Navy SEAL veterans. And those three charities help the families of the fallen SEALs and the wounded SEALs and the SEALs of PTSD. And it's a way for us to give back. And also, on the fitness side, it ways to get people off the couch and go out and do a 5K, some with obstacles and some without obstacles. And
5: so you, you also have a virtual component to it too, so people can't join
4: in? That's right. How do they do that? Well, the virtual component's the biggest part of this here. The virtual component is because a lot of people can't go to some starting line at some race site yeah. and do an obstacle course race or a 5K. Our virtual runs, you sign up, you commit to yourself that you're gonna do a 5K, you do it, we send you the medal, we send you the challenge coin, you get a downloadable certificate. Uh, we do virtual run walks, we do virtual swims. This virtual run happens to have obstacles in it.
5: That's fun. Yeah. That's neat for kids very who, who can't take part. You can that do t- this. T- no, I really can't. I <laughs> really can't. The Not like you yeah. can. No. The yeah. virtual one, yeah, yeah maybe. For, <laughs> but I can't do it like you can. I mean, you breezed through, you had no problems. Do you do this
6: often? No. Yeah. my whole life I've yeah. been doing
4: it so yeah. <laughs> I'm old you're just in so. shape <laughs> just today it's fake televised fake. How, how many years did you serve in the military 22 <laughs> 22 yeah. thank you for your uh, service yeah, and yeah, how you've, thank you. all you've done thank you to Fox women. for all you do for the yeah. service and for the military and thank you as well Don for as Brian went through it you could have beaten him by about five minutes <laughs> but you took your time <laughs> team and team he team looked he, great he
6: was such a gentleman wasn't he <laughs> he was waiting on Brian he was
4: helping he was lifting him up once again if people would like to help Frogman Charity Yep. website FrogmanCharities.org. It's a little too easy. Thank well, you very much. Sure thank you. you. For thank you. For oh, him. it's sure so for nice to meet him. you yeah, in person. You very very so great to see it's you again. See you we again. had your photo in our office for a whole year. These guys are in great shape.
1: The Truth Initiative and the Ad Council campaign spent over one spent over forty million dollars, and a lot of it was was given away as gratis as some of the commercials that ran, 1.4 billion views. Has anyone of you uh, seen the ad Truth Campaign, the Ad Council for the Opioid Crisis? Raise your hand if you've seen it. That's insane. The amount of money they put behind that. And there was like seven hands got raised in here. It's not breakthrough content, these things. It's not virally shared. You can't get your... You, you, there's no motivation if you've seen it to share it with somebody, and it makes people look insane. One of them is a girl behind the wheel in a car saying that she, she, got, she has to get her pills, and she pushes the gas pedal and drives into a wall of a building so she can go to the hospital and be prescribed the medication. Well, isn't the idea to destigmatize the people who suffer? One in ten people look for help. One in ten of the addicted will look for help because the stigma is so bad that they can't or not want to, or even in the hospital system when they go in and they've overdosed, they're totally, oh, here he is again. Somebody comes in with a heart condition or has another physical problem, they're kept, they're followed up, they're given medication or sent out, There's another. they refer them to a doctor. If you go in for an overdose, behind the curtain, they're talking to each other like, oh, yeah, it's him again. The stigma is so terrible, it is so terrible. So how would you, if, if 1.4 billion impressions must have been people at the Ag Council going like this. Because everywhere I speak, and I was in, I'm in front of 20,000 people, 10,000 people, 15,000 people, 1,000 people. Every time I ask, no one saw the damn thing. How are we getting the word out of to curb the problem before it starts? decrease in total amount of opioids prescribed. This actually pissed me off. Now I have to represent the current administration because I'm a surrogate to this issue. But when you start talking points for campaigning already, right now, the president gave his speech a few days ago, and this is not about politics, and I'm independent in many ways and I really like some of the things that are going and then some things I don't. But this just, it, was, it sang out, because the meeting prior was 34, 34% decrease in total amount of opioids prescribed. In the conversation, it was 34% decrease in opioids prescribed, not opioid prescriptions. So the regulations went from 30 pills that you were allowed to sign for, they're curbing it to seven or eight per prescription. So the same amount of prescriptions are being put out there, just less pills. You know how long it takes to become addicted to an opioid if you're taking them and you're the right person that's in that position to become addicted? Three days.
4: Kevin Harrington.
1: With over
6: 500 products launched and generating over 5 billion dollars in product sales in over 100 countries, Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial as seen on TV Pioneer and Original Shark on the Emmy Award winning TV show Shark Tank. Kevin creates massive brands by combining great products with superstar talent like Kim Kardashian, 50 Cent, Kathy and Paris Hilton, Kris Jenner, CeeLo Green, George Foreman, Montel Williams, Jack LaLanne, Flo Rida hulk hogan billy mays paula abdul and tony little my brand now is worth over three billion dollars uh so my advice to everybody if you even have an idea you'd want to go to Kevin Harrington. As a sought-after guest, Kevin has been featured on 2020, CNN, Fox Business, Bloomberg, Jim Kramer's The Street, MTV, Good Morning America, the CBS Morning News, The Today Show, CNBC Squawk Box, Entrepreneur, Fox & Friends, Donnie Deutsch Big Idea, Bethany, The View, and the Daily Double on Jeopardy. Now the last clue, back to the Shark Tank. I'm Kevin Harrington. A renowned speaker, Kevin has appeared on stage for organizations like AT&T, Microsoft, United States Postal Service, Humana, 3M, FedEx, Auburn University, Harvard, and MIT. Kevin has authored several books, including Act Now, how I turned ideas into million-dollar products, and the bestseller. How to Become a Key Person of Influence. As a global influencer, Kevin has thrown out the first pitch for the Tampa Bay Rays and produced movies with stars like Kevin Spacey in The Father of Invention. Kevin is a pioneer of the direct response industry and has risen to nearly iconic status over the years. Kevin helped to found EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, and ERA, the Electronic Retailing Association, receiving their Lifetime Achievement Award. Kevin is now at the forefront of the digital marketing age as founder of Quantum Media, a cutting-edge digital marketing agency. Kevin has built 20 businesses to over $100 million each. That's why he's the original shark from Shark Tank, the billion-dollar man, Kevin Harrington.